страну Люблю свою жену, люблю свою собаку Я всего на свете член, почти что супермен Но редко лезу в драку Знает весь двор Мой приговор, слуга народа Hello, this is Rumble with Michael Moore, and I'm Michael Moore. Welcome. Back in the final days of the Soviet Union, around 1990, I visited there. My first film had just come out in the United States, and I was invited to bring Roger and me to the St. Petersburg uh, Film Festival. And so I went. Um, I had never been to Russia or the Soviet Union before. Um, I had been to parts of Eastern Europe, East Germany, etc., but uh, but not not Russia, not the Soviet Union. And so um, I land there, and now I'm thinking, you know, I'm from the United States, and I grew up during a time where we were told that. You know, the world had these two great superpowers, the United States of America and the Soviet Union. And I was raised to be very afraid of the Soviet Union uh, for what it could do to us with nuclear weapons. You know, they were the first in space, et cetera, et cetera. And so I didn't, you know, I was, I expected that when I landed there, first in St. Petersburg and then in Moscow, that I was visiting, well, you know, the other great superpower of the world. I wasn't off the plane more than five or ten minutes when I wondered if I had landed in Bogota or Bulgaria or... God knows where on earth, because this didn't look like any superpower to me. I mean, the airport was crap. The the the, the plane and the planes. I'm like, what? Did, are we in the right place? Ah, uh, you would pass by whole sections in the airport where the lights were out or they would flicker on and off. And it wasn't long after we left the airport and, you know, visited very nice people in their homes and, and seeing how little they had, how they didn't have any of the so-called modern conveniences that, we were used to in the United States. And when we went to what we were told was like a suburb outside of town, there was no indoor plumbing. (laughs) I couldn't believe it. I mean, people who had been to the Soviet Union before had told me, maybe you should bring like your own toilet paper because you're not going to like, you know, what they have. Um, I should have listened to them because, again, right down to the toilet paper, it was, I had traveled in the third world and, and I'm very comfortable with that. And, um, I don't need all these conveniences and the comfort of 
the United States. But I at least expected from the world's other superpower that, you know, when you open the refrigerator, there would be food in it. And and I just was surprised at, at just how the daily struggle of just getting by. But, you know, I'm at the film festival, so they're gonna, we're going to go to the, the big theater and we're going to see my movie. And, um, you know, most of these film festivals, you send them the movie and then they, they will put subtitles on the movie for their audience. Um, you know, sometimes uh, there'll be a dubbed version of the film, whatever, done by professional art, you know, actors and whatever. But So I get to the theater and the movie starts... Roger and me, and the first thing you hear, voice you hear, is mine. I'm narrating the film, and I'm talking about myself as a small child uh, growing up in Flint, Michigan, with the home of General Motors. And no subtitles, no dubbing. And all of a sudden, I hear, over like a loudspeaker system in the theater, while I can hear my voice talking on the screen, I hear this loud... What's going on? What's happening here? I, I, I asked the, the Russian, the person from the film festival, what was that? And all of a sudden it started again, and it's, I'm, you hear my voice on the screen. And she says to me, no, that's how we do foreign films here. That you Turn around. You see the guy back there? There's a guy at a microphone at a little table with a light on. And he's doing my voice. And it's coming out through a loudspeaker somewhere in the theater. He's translating it. And he's translating everybody's voice, not just mine. He does all the women's voices. He does, he does the head of General Motors voice. Everybody's voice is the same voice. Well, and it's and it's competing with the actual soundtrack of the film. So there'd be a, a woman who was a spokesperson for General Motors talking, and and you'd hear the same thing. It was surreal, and this was going to go on for like an hour and a half. And I'm looking at the Russians in the theater, and they don't seem to mind. I said to the film festival woman, are they used to this? Oh, yes, this is the way it is. Because, well, it costs a lot of money to dub or to put subtitles on the film. Wow. Yeah, that's right, but but you're a superpower. You're the second biggest superpower in the world. And she looked at me like, You, she said something to the effect of you're going to see that that's the propaganda of your government and your media. And it's also what we like to think of ourselves. But the reality, the reality was not that we were in some advanced country. 
and we spent the next week there and, and we went down to Moscow and it was like the same thing in Moscow. And it was a country that was broken. It could barely operate. Um, it wasn't the first outhouse, the one outside of St. Petersburg that we had to use. It was, it, it, it was just one thing after another like this. And I thought, after, after a week of this, this was my main thought. This is what I grew up being afraid of? This? I'm in the third world. This country is just not, not what we were told and nothing to be afraid of. Really nice people. And everything else, crap. Oh, wow. Three years later, I went back. Soviet Union was over. And now um, it was just Russia. And everything I had seen three years earlier was the same. In some ways, worse. But they were trying capitalism now, or some version of capitalism. And somebody wanted to take me to the Moscow Stock Exchange. They had a stock exchange now, because it was they were no longer communists. They were trying to be capitalists. So we go to the Moscow Stock Exchange. I kid you not. We walk in. It's it's a like half dirt floor. There's goats. There's other. I can't remember other farm animals like chickens and and they you know they had on this board uh it's like a chalkboard really and they were i guess the the price of grain or the price of chicken or whatever but and i i said to one of the russians who spoke english i said you know a stock exchange and i'm not really a big fan of i mean i don't own any stock but you know it's it's supposed to be your like taking a bet on a company and your and your money invests in that company and then the oh yeah yeah we have we have that too and he took me to another part of this place this large open room with a very high ceiling a place where you could invest in jeez I can't remember what it was but I just remember thinking wow this is quite the scam and on this trip, now that the Soviet Union was gone, we were all warned to guard our money, be very careful. And um, we had to get from one side of Moscow to the other, from like the east side to the west side. And there's this ring road that goes around Moscow. And you like get on the ring road, you know, like the Beltway in D.C. And you take that around the city to get to the other side. Once we got on this Beltway, on this ring road, it was nothing but a parking lot. The cars weren't moving. It literally took us hours to get from one side of Moscow to the other. Probably it wasn't more than 10 miles away. And we were just inched along, inched along on this thing. And I thought, what? And they, had, they still had all these crappy little Russian cars. And, oh, man, I just, it's just gotten worse since the three years before. 
And I felt for the people, but I hated the fact that we'd been lied to and that we had spent trillions of dollars on weapons and war and preparation for war against the country. Maybe, yes, I guess they could fire, they could fire a few missiles and that's all they had. They'd spent all their money on the missiles and even later when the Cold War was over, you know, American government officials admitted that the way they hoped to break the old Soviet Union was to get them to spend all their money in an arms race with us. And I guess maybe that worked. The people suffered, and we suffered too. And we built our military up into a, something that was not good for our people and wasn't good for the world. That's what I saw when I visited the Soviet Union in Russia. And this week, this week, I'm glad you've joined me today and I, I want to talk about uh, a few things. I'm not going to take a lot of your time. I'm just going to give you my impressions of what I think is going on and what I think we should do. Before we get to that, I want to just take a few minutes to thank my underwriters, uh, the, the people that uh, helped to uh, pay the bills here uh, with this podcast and other things that we do, and we're very grateful to them. And the first underwriter that I want to thank today um, is Stamps.com. Thank you for supporting this podcast. You know, whether you're a small business owner or uh, you're sending mail to your large extended family or Maybe you're just trying to stay safe these days because you don't want to go to the post office uh, or you don't have time to deal with the hassles of going to the post office. Well, stamps.com lets you print official postage right from your computer, right from home. No special supplies, no special equipment is needed, and it's an approved licensed vendor of the United States Postal Service. We use stamps.com when we're traveling, we're filming, and we need to ship our stuff. And I want to encourage you to use stamps.com too. And if you do, you can get discounts that you can't find anywhere else. You know, you can't walk up to the post office counter and say, hey, I want to get a discount on these stamps. No. But with stamps.com, because of the deal they've worked out with the U.S. Postal Service, you can get up to 40% off United States Postal Service rates and 76% off UPS rates because, you know, UPS has a deal where they work with the post office uh, for shipping what we need to have shipped. So save time, save money with stamps.com. To sign up with stamps.com, use the promo code MORE, my last name. It's got two O's, M-O-O-R-E, and you can get a special offer that includes a four-week trial, free postage, and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts are necessary here. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter the code MORE, M-O-O-R-E. Thank you very much, uh, stamps.com, for supporting our podcast. I also want to thank our other underwriter here, truebill.com, truebill.com. 
for supporting this podcast and helping us all save a little bit of money. Now, here's the question. You've heard me ask this before uh, when they've been our underwriter. So here's the question. How many subscription services are you paying for each month? You know what I'm talking about, right? All those things, we hit subscribe, and and it's like months later we forgot, oh man, they're taking money out of me every month, every year, whatever. I mean, this all really can add up, and it's easy to lose track of just how many things you're subscribing to, especially how many things you're subscribing to and not reading. Well, Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need or want or you've simply forgot about. Truebill's app allows you to see all your subscriptions in one place and you can keep the ones you want and cancel the ones you don't. And you know how it is with a lot of subscriptions, they force you to, if you don't want to subscribe anymore, you got to call them to cancel. Then you're on hold forever and then you give up and then you're still paying for them every month. Truebill will cut through all that. You don't have to deal with any of that. They'll handle it for you so that you don't have to. And it works. On average, people are saving hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars a year with Truebill. We got this letter from a listener. She wrote us and she said, hands down, uh, Truebill.com. It's the best financial app that I've discovered. In my first week, I opened it up and I saved $187 in unused recurring subscriptions that I'd forgotten that I'd had. I'm obsessed with this. I'm never going to manage anything like this again without having Truebill as my aid. So start canceling your unused subscriptions at Truebill.com slash Rumble. Don't forget the slash Rumble. Truebill.com slash Rumble. It could save you literally thousands of dollars a year. Truebill.com slash Rumble. Достоинство и честь, и даже крики Браво. Персональный самолет мне выделил народ, а что имею право на животу? Вот тут набьют оту. So this week, Vladimir Putin and his Russian army invaded the country of Ukraine. Are you like me where you thought, okay, you know, he might want to go slice off another piece of this country that he thinks still belongs to Russia, but there's no way he's going to like literally invade the whole place and take it over. Now, as I'm recording this, it seems like that's exactly what he's doing. Maybe it won't happen. Maybe it looks like maybe he's trying to scare them, but you know what? This guy, if you watched that hour, hour and a half rant of his announcing this war the other day, I mean, I always thought the guy was, you know, evil, but at least, you know, smart evil. Like, oh, he this is how he's pulled all this off. He's he's not stupid. If you can if you can go on the internet and and find find that crazy speech of his it's like he is totally a loon a complete nutter it's i thought wow this guy is mad as in madman this guy 
it was just, it was so shocking. And I'm thinking, this is the 21st century. Have you been thinking this too this week? We're in the 21st century. This shit doesn't go on anymore. Certainly not in Europe. I mean, yes, the United States, in the 21st century, we invaded Afghanistan and then Iraq and then, you know, then we send drones into Yemen and Somalia and other places and we bomb civilian populations. We do that. But I don't expect others to to do that. But Putin and the Russians, you know, I've, I've, I don't want to say that I've, I've in the past have wanted to give them the benefit of, of the doubt, but somewhere when I was growing up, I did read a book about World War II. And I had no idea. We never were taught this in school that the Russians lost over 25 million people in World War II, died, killed, starved to death, executed by the Nazis, by the Germans. I mean, they went through hell and they suffered and they paid a high price. And when they came out of World War II, they had this attitude of, okay, we have to control all these buffer countries around us so that this invasion business that's been going on since uh, the Mongols uh, hundreds of years ago and then Napoleon and then, you know, these Russia's just over it throughout history. It's just been constantly invaded. And I guess after losing 25 million people in World War II, they decided that's enough. That's enough of this crap. So we're going to we're going to run these countries that are are that border us. And um you know, we're not going to be imperialists. We're not going to Russians, you know, just like the Chinese. They don't send their troops 5,000, 10,000 miles away like we do. Vietnam, you know, uh, Korea, Panama, you know, war <laughs> Iraq they don't do that. They do want to control the countries that border them so the invasions will stop. Now, I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that's right that they do that. I'm just saying I understand why they might be a little paranoid uh, because they've said to suffer so much. But Ukraine's not their problem. And yes, any talk of Ukraine being part of NATO, that should have been cut off a long time ago. NATO, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Get a map out. See where Ukraine is. It's nowhere near the North Atlantic. <laughs> and I can see why all of a sudden we're, we're offering to make them part of our military organization, a country that borders, not just borders Russia, but was a Soviet republic, was part of the same country that Russia was a part of for most of the 20th century. I mean, can you imagine Russia doing a deal with Mexico, like a military pact? What, how, how, what would our response be? What would our government's response be? 
What if Canada had been part of the Warsaw Pact? What would our response have been? Remember when the Russians, they tried to, the Soviets tried to put missiles in Cuba? What was our response to that? We blockaded the whole thing. Put a bunch of warships all around Cuba. We were so close to nuclear war with the Soviet Union. And it didn't happen, thank God. Thank God for Kennedy that that didn't happen. So so I, I understand the history of this. I understand the paranoia. It doesn't excuse it. But why this? Why now? What did Ukraine do? Could we have prevented this just by saying, hey, don't worry, Ukraine's not going to be part of NATO. They're going to be part of Ukraine. It's their own country. Somebody just should have said that. Ukraine, you know, it's... Back when we were growing up, when you heard Kiev, when you heard Odessa, uh, these cities, you just thought that was part of Russia because it was part of the Soviet Union. It's, I believe it's the second largest landmass-wise. It's the second largest country in Europe after Russia. I think it, I think it goes uh, Russia, Ukraine, then France maybe. But Ukraine is is bigger than France. In fact, you could take France and a big chunk of Germany. You'd have to put them together to be the size of Ukraine. It's got the third largest army in Europe after Russia and France. It's also the poorest country in Europe, Ukraine. Oh, man. So they have the third largest army, so so much of their their money, and now our money, goes to weapons in a country that's quite poor by European standards. It's all so sad, isn't it? To see people lining up there in Kiev where they're they're lining up at the grocery store, they're lining up to get gas, gas to go where? That's a long drive if you're going to Poland. You know, you're not going to have enough gas. The lines, you're going to be on the highway at a standstill trying to get out. You won't have enough gas. ATMs, you know, what What are you trying to get? Money for what? You know, this, the, the fear that's in everybody there is, is very understandable. But it's just so odd to... And then the, the president of uh, Ukraine announced that no male, no man between the age of 16 and 60 can leave the country. You have to stay and fight. You have to stay and kill these Russians that are invading. You know, generally, if you don't want to fight in a war, you don't want to kill anybody, you got to have the right not to be forced to do that. It's an odd, it was an odd order that came down yesterday about um, no male may leave the country. You must stay and fight, kill, and maybe die. You know, we have to find new ways to resolve things like this. 
And I think, you know, what Biden told us for many, many, many weeks, this was exactly what was going to happen. And I think the financial sanctions are a good thing. And he added more today. Um, you know, the oligarchs that that Putin uh, has made very, very wealthy. This is not good for business. This kind of war, this kind of takeover of another country. When you have a country yourself that you can't even run, you have such a broken country. It's still the same piece of shit country. And, and I'm sorry to say that. It sounds harsh, but but it it I mean, ask yourself, when's the last time you bought something that was made in Russia where it says made in Russia on it? When's the last time you ever needed to use anything from Russia? Now, yes, we still we still are somewhat dependent on their oil and uh, natural gas, and certainly Europe is, but but Russia, it's not like China. It's not like other places where they actually produce things. They do things and give and make things that Americans want, that Germans want, that Brits want. What does Russia make? I'm serious. Instead of focusing on his own country and trying to trying to bring it out of what I saw now some 30 years ago almost when I was there at the end of the Soviet Union and the beginning of the new Russia. And they still, I mean, the average life expectancy of a Russian male, a Russian man, depending on which chart you're using in the last decade or so, a Russian man lives somewhere until he's like 62 to 68 years old. That's it. Focus on that. Spend your money and your time on that. Help your people. No, no. Seems like he likes the idea of the old Soviet Union where he was one of the leaders of the KGB. And he, I don't know, is he trying to rebuild the Soviet Union? The first thing he'd want to do is take back the Soviet republics like Ukraine, like Estonia and Latvia and Lithuania. Get those back first. But then does he does he want does he want Poland? Does he want Hungary? Does he want Slovakia? Wow. Romania? What are we heading into here? And then Biden's already gone on the record saying if he invades any of those other countries like Poland or Romania, which are part of NATO, that we'll send our own troops in. And I'm like, no, we're not. Well, we signed a treaty that says one for all and all for one, and if any of us are attacked, then we all join in. Yeah, well, that's a, you know, all I know is we are invaders ourselves. And we don't know how many hundreds of thousands or even millions of Iraqis are dead and Afghans are dead because of us, because we don't know what we're doing, the way that we go in, the havoc that we cause, the things that we've done just since World War II, the number of countries where our CIA 
and our intelligence agencies and our military have helped to overthrow governments or have just involved ourselves in their elections, their free elections, to try and and make sure the candidate that we wanted was elected? I mean, just read the history on this. We, you know, after Iraq, after the after we lost the Iraq war and we lost the Afghanistan war, um, I have said a number of times that we need to go to the timeout room. We are not allowed to go to war anymore. We are not allowed to, quote, help people in other countries like this with our military. We have to stop this. When we show up with our our jet fighters and our bombers and our Black Hawk helicopters and all our troops, it is not going to end up well. So we can't even be talking about the United States sending troops anywhere. We're in the timeout room. No war. No war. And I say that, and as I sit here tonight, I have no idea what's going to happen. The United Nations or other countries, you know, good countries, countries that care about humanity, countries that believe in peace. We need them to step up right now. We need to stop this, to fix this. The Pope, you know, the Dalai Lama, the, you know, the women's soccer team, I don't know, just any good group of people that could get the Russians to sit down. Let's talk this out. Let's figure this out. We have to come up with something because war is not the answer. More death, more destruction, not the answer. I know, I know. Well, Mike, what's the answer? Well, you know, I don't really, I don't have the answer other than what I've just said. You know, there are the things I don't know, (laughs) which is a lot of things. Here's what I do know. Our involvement, never good. You know, what were what was what was Putin demanding? Ukraine can't be part of NATO. Okay. Say yes. Eh, there's no loss of face there. This is why this is man, I'll tell you. I'm not I'm not just trashing my gender here, but Isn't the world going to be a better place when more women are running it? I'm I'm not saying just because a leader is a woman. We've had awful examples of that from Margaret Thatcher to Indira Gandhi to Golda Meir to, you know, you can think of a number of women uh, that have been in charge and have been every bit as excited to go to war as men uh, always are. But, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. This isn't going to work. You know it. I know it. And I think right now, you know, as I'm recording this, we're only probably 36 hours, 40 hours into this. 
but um, um, so we don't know everything right now. So the things I do know is the United States has to stay out of it. No more loss of life and no more taking other lives. Let's find a way. Let's get other countries and other peoples involved to help end this, to help stop any kind of slaughter going on. And to and to have some empathy for those paranoid Russians who in some ways have every right to be paranoid, not about Ukraine, but hundreds of years of being invaded by the West and the Mongols from the East. That's that all of this is fixable. We're smart enough now to know that this way can't be the way any longer. You know, we're barely going to make it out of the 21st century anyways, if we're lucky, because of what we've done to this planet. That's what we should be focusing on. That's the real enemy. That and poverty and the fact that a couple billion people on this planet still don't have either clean drinking water or any kind of sewage system that that keeps their people safe and healthy. Shouldn't that be the focus? I don't know. If I were president, I'd be calling Putin like every hour. Just like, I don't mean prank calling him. I mean like really calling him. But every time he hangs up on me, I just call back. Vlad, come on, dude. Come come on, this is fucked up. We'll send you a few more Olympic gold medals. How's, how's that? I don't know. I'm, I'm just, what do you, tell me what it is you want. What do you want? I know you don't want dead Russian soldiers. Let's stop this. So what is it that we can do to fix whatever it is? And if what you want is just more money to get your, your oligarchs and yourself even richer, that's not going to happen. And, I, and let me just, I can give you examples of how your people eventually will rise up. In the first 24 hours, 1,700, that's the number that, that at least the, uh, uh, the peace groups say there's been 1,700 Russians across Russia arrested because they participated in an anti-war demonstration here in the first day or two. Wow. Your country does not want this war. They don't want Ukraine. And um, when it's revealed to them what you're really up to, that's going to be it. You, you know, you live in a country that had one of the greatest revolutions in world history. When the people rose up. Russian people are not afraid to rise up. And someday they will rise up against you. And you made a huge mistake this week of going on your TV and looking like a lunatic. Because now your own people are thinking, shit, we've got a lunatic for president. Nobody wants a lunatic for president. We know that. We had that for four years. 
Oh, I see. I see the former president. Yes. He's been out there supporting you, cheering you on. That should be the first clue that you should stop what you're doing. If that guy from Mar-a-Lago, that guy is like calling you a genius for this invasion. Oh my God. You and he are part of, sadly, a rising group of madmen, of authoritarian dictators, people that want to use their fascist powers to line their pockets, to make their friends rich, to take over their countries. So afraid of democracy. So afraid. You should be afraid because people everywhere want to be free and they will not tolerate this from you. Maybe I should just call you up anyways. You'd pick up, wouldn't you? You and I, man, come on. We could have a great laugh or two. And then you just tell me what you want, and I'll see if I can get it for you. Just to stop this. What would it take to stop this? Come on. This won't end well for you. To all of you who are listening to this, it's one of these moments where we've got to really send out something to the larger, whatever the life force is in the universe, whatever the karma is, whatever you believe in, whether it's some faith or prayer or good vibes, Whatever it is, man, we all need to pull together and collectively put it out there. Should never be war in Europe ever again. I'm sorry, that's all I've got for you on this issue tonight. I know that we have lost the moral high ground if we ever had it. We had it we've had it for a few moments, but now now we're a country that won't guarantee the voting rights of our poor and our people of color. So many other things. You know, in the last year when Biden took office and all that aid that he gave to families 40% of kids who were in poverty were no longer in poverty just last year. And now, and now because of Manchin and these others, that stopped. They've stopped the, they've stopped the aid. And now we're rapidly getting to the point where those 40% of kids who are out of poverty are now back in poverty. How sick is that? That's where our focus should be. We have to we have to figure out what's wrong with us and fix that. Um, I've got a, a, just a few more thoughts on a couple of other things because there were some good things that happened this week and I'm, I'd like to I'd like to end on that. But be, uh, before we do that, let me, there's just one more underwriter I need to thank uh, today uh, for supporting us. And that underwriter is Shopify. Um, I want to thank them for not only underwriting uh, my Rumble podcast, but also for helping us out with our website and our store. Uh, we do this through Shopify, uh, the stuff where you can go and get a, 
um, a t-shirt or ball cap or whatever to support our work. And I'm sure you've heard of Shopify. It's, as you know, it's, it's like this all-in-one commerce platform that helps level the playing field and gives you, the individual or your small business or whatever, a chance to start and run and grow your own business. You can right from your home or maybe it's a small business you have. Um, it's very hard to compete with the big guys. And, and so, and, and we have a little experience with this with Shopify because we recently launched what we call the More Store. Um, and we decided to use Shopify because of their great service and their outstanding technology and the low cost. So if you're looking to start a business or grow a business, uh, do something here on your own, you've got to use Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash rumble. Now rumble is all lowercase, R-U-M-B-L-E. So it's shopify.com slash rumble, all lowercase for rumble. And if you do that, you can get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. So grow your small business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash rumble, all lowercase on rumble, right now. Shopify.com slash rumble. Uh, finally, uh, today, um, wow, historic moment with Biden's nominee to the Supreme Court. What an incredible woman. Uh, Justice Jackson, wow. Um, you know, this is what, when you have a smart president, this is what you end up with. And especially when you have a president that doesn't base his decisions on racism, bigotry, like the last guy. We have an antidote to that right now. So congratulations, President Biden, for nominating Judge Jackson to the Supreme Court. And let's hope that goes through without any trouble. But let's also keep our focus on the things that we've still got to do to fix this court. Because we're going to have this Trump court for the rest of our lives. So, you know, whether it's uh, adding uh, some seats to the court, whether it's taking away some of their powers, uh, term limits, or impeach the ones that shouldn't have been on there in the first place, thanks to Trump. We still need to have this discussion on how our court is going to function. Very critical. But for right now, let's uh, salute this incredible nominee and, and the upcoming appointment of what will be our new Associate Justice of the Supreme Court, Justice Jackson. Well, the verdicts that have come down, I also just want to say a couple words about uh, these two big verdicts down in Georgia and the one in Minneapolis against the groups of men who participated in the slaughter of two black men, George Floyd in Minneapolis and Mr. Aubrey uh, down in Georgia. Uh, killed by racists for racist reasons and convicted on civil rights charges uh, this week for their racist killings. It's something we haven't really seen in the past, this kind of justice taking place. So more of that from now on. Put all racists and bigots on notice. Any acts of violence... Any acts of discrimination against anyone in this country because of the color of their skin, especially and in including 
black Americans. This is the end. We all just have to stand up and declare it. This is the end. And and it can't just be a negative thing like, oh, yeah, we just got to stop this racism. No, actually, we not only have to stop it, we ourselves have to make sure that we are all anti-racist, that we take care of any piece of white privilege that we're using to make our lives better at the expense of those who lo- whose lives can't be better simply because their skin color is black or brown. And then we have to fix the way this economy is run that keeps black and brown people on the lowest rungs of the economic ladder. This has to end. All of this has to end. We have to make this right. Black people in this country suffer still from the effects of slavery, of being brought here in chains, of being forced to build this country into the wealthy country that it quickly became. All of this has to change. It's not just about a few convictions, about men who men who kill because of their bigotry. It's about every day of life in America that in its own way takes the life out of so many people who are forced to live in poverty, who go and have to go to the worst schools. All of that, a commitment right now from all of us. And that's why we've got to get out and vote in November. We've got to get senators that are real senators that will stand up for these things so we can get these, all those things that we wanted to get passed this year that didn't happen, we can fix that simply by getting the right people elected. And I'll be talking about that more in future episodes here in Rumble of what we, each of us, can physically do to have a successful November election. Uh, So that's about it for today. Yeah. It's really, um, last couple nights here, it's hard to fall asleep thinking about all this. Just when we didn't need anything else to have to deal with in this time of, of plague, of this time of, of not just the coronavirus, but also the virus that's destroying this planet, the way that, that we are operating and functioning on this planet and the way that our democracies are teetering, teetering right now. All of us, all of us, I know you're tired. I know you haven't felt well. I know all of us are like going crazy, climbing the walls and it doesn't matter. We have no choice. This is the hand we've been dealt now. Previous generations have been dealt their own difficult hands. This is our hand. We have to stand up. We have to fight. We have to make this better. We can do it. We're the majority. There's more of us than there are of them. I will say that like a mantra on every single episode of of this podcast if I have to, but you know it's true. So let's take advantage of that and let's 
let's show the world that we do know how to behave. We do know what is good and righteous about having a democracy. That may do more to help save those democracies that are under the gun right now when others see that this is the way of the world in the 21st century, not the old way. The old way is gone. And anybody who thinks they want to bring it back, whether it's the former guy, whether it's the shirtless guy on horseback, your days are over. Your days are over. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks to my executive producer, Basil Hamden, our um, editor and sound engineer, Nick Quaz, our jack-of-all-trades and master of all the other trades, Donald Bornstein. Thank you, guys, uh, for your help here. And thank you, all of you who listen to Rumble and who support our work. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Come in.